The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when His blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in His precious blood, my sin to atone, and I started singing, one of the easiest sins for a Christian. I'm talking about a dedicated, born-again person that loves Jesus and wants to do right. An easy, common, all too common sin that we commit as Christians that we, I want to show you biblically where it's at and where God feels about it, what He feels about it, and help us not to do it. It is an extremely harmful thing and tends to divide us and hurt us, and we don't want to do this, and yet the devil himself is the master of it. Uh, and so let's uh, start out with a word of prayer. Our Father, we pray that you'd come, overcome all the resistance of the invisible kingdom. Uh, we pray that every principality and throne and dominions and power would may be made subject to you at this moment, and that the Spirit of God would be the only voice in this room. There'd be no other voice but God's Spirit. And Father, we ask you that you would give understanding and wisdom to the people in hearing of these words. In Jesus' name, amen. When I speak about sin or preach about sin, it is of our nature to always think it's our, we husbands think it's our wives that he's talking about. And the wives are thinking, oh good, today will help him out. Or, or, or a husband and wife will be thinking, oh, well, so-and-so really could use that message. But man, that's not going to help you. Uh, the Bible says we're right in our own eyes. And when we examine ourselves, typically, without the Holy Spirit, without the Bible, we really look good. I mean, we, we flat out look good. And we look good. We go on, It's like going in front of the mirror in the morning and go, well, I'm ready to go. Then have somebody take your picture and you look at it and go, oh, that's not me. <laughs> yeah, that is ugly you. I mean, uh, I look at pictures of me. I remember in, in college, with one of the things they did for us is they had video. They videoed us preaching. First time I'd ever seen myself in a video, and it was horrible. And they showed it before the whole class and had them critique it. And you ask a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds to critique something, buddy, they love it, you know. And, and they, then they gather all those pieces of paper, and you're to read those critiques, and then, the, uh, of course, the head of the class, which is uh, Dr. Rupp, 
he would then tone them around if some of them were outrageous or whatever. But remember, everybody in the class had to get up there. So everybody had a shot. You know what I'm thinking? Okay, yeah, I remember. But anyways, it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough. And, and, and we're, we're, we're critical of the people around us, but we're not too critical of ourselves. But yet the Bible says we're to judge ourselves, that we be not judged. Well, how do I judge myself if I'm right in my own eyes? How do I do that? If I look good in my own eyes, how do I judge myself? Well, you say, Brother Bill, you judge yourself easily. That's right. Without the help of the written Word of God, the principles of the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit, you and I cannot judge ourselves. And that is why we have to go back to the Bible, like I'm going to this morning, and we have to mine out what God thinks about this subject, and look at ourselves, and listen to ourselves, and say, God, help me to see this. A lot of times people say, you, you have this or have that, and you'll go, well, I don't do that. We're not only not seeing it, we're in denial of it. We'll actually, well, no, I don't do that. But the truth is, we do. I don't know of a, of a person here this morning that doesn't have trouble with this area. Why? Because it has to do with the tongue. And the tongue can no man tame. That's what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit can tame it. The Word of God can tame it. But, can tame it, but if you try to tame the tongue without God, you are going to fail miserably and cuss on the way out. James chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 through 32. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. Now you have all them. Well, you're not going to be able to go to all those, so go to James chapter 4, verse 10 through 12, and then I'll go to the other ones, and you can hopefully listen, get something, go home with something from this. I've been begging God to give me something from it. I hope you get something. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil. Circle the word evil if you, if you mark your Bible. Speak not evil, one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law, judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now, the only way you can be a judge is you've got to be above the law. At the point, you're enacting the law. Ooh. But if you're not a doer of the law, that means you're a hypocrite. And if you're a hypocrite, you have no business judging, right? In other words, if you commit the same crimes to people you're judging, you really have no business getting up there and judging them. And so, there is one lawgiver who was able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Now, once in a while, in authority, people have to judge. Police have to judge. Government has to judge. Employers have to judge. Church has to judge. You know, people in authority in those groups have to judge. But usually people, it's not, it's not something they're happy to do, but it's something they must do and something that they have guidelines on doing, something they have principles on doing. But yet, I find everybody's a judge. Everybody. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, you don't have to turn to this, and all guile and hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings. All evil speakings. That's the word I'm going to talk about, is speaking evil. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32, it says, let all, in verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 11, it says, in verse 10, for he that will love, of love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil 
and his lips that they speak no guile. I, years ago, on the playground, back in elementary school, I'd hear children say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me. There's nothing further from the truth. There's nothing further from the truth. Words are more powerful than physical abuse, than being beaten. I've been in a lot of fights. I've been hit. I've had my nose broken. I've had blood. I've been bloodied up in fights. That was not nearly as bad as the words that went on before the fight. Words just go straight to your spirit, to your soul. They bypass all the outer mechanisms. And that's why I believe music is so powerful, and music has to be reverenced and carefully dished out and discerned with because music goes right into your spirit. Mental pain is far worse and more permanent than physical punishment, I believe. Yet, understanding all what I just said, and most people do understand what I just said, yet the average person is not careful about what they say or how they say things to others. Would you say amen to that? If you don't amen, it's going to be long. Often very harmful and destructive verbiage and, and, and verbal things are fired out at people without caring about the effect or even thinking about what they're saying. But the Bible is very, very clear on how important our words are and that we're going to see every one of them again. Bibles, if you have, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, 37. I apologize, but I don't apologize for the various Bible references because this is Bible preaching church, and without the Bible, we don't have anything to say this morning. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 37, it says, O generation of vipers. <laughs> That's really nice. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. For a good man out of a good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. These are Jesus' words. By the way, it must be so. And he says in verse 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. But look in verse 37 there. Woo! For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. As children of the King, having our hearts changed by the blessed Holy Spirit, and our sins forgiven by the blood of Christ, our tongue should reflect our hearts. But our hearts should not be full of bitterness, consequently our tongues are full of evil speaking. Something is desperately wrong in the Christian whose tongue is still speaking evil about his brothers and sisters around him. Let's, let, me, let me look at the four Greek words found for the word, the one English word, evil. In the four passages that I took you to, there were four words about evil, speaking evil. As far as English is concerned, it's just the one word. In English, it just means bad, something wrong. But in the Greek, it's much more specific. There are actually four Greek words which have little shades of meaning here. Let me take you quickly to them. The first one is kataleo. 
And you say, well, I don't know Greek anyways. Well, I just want to impress you with my vast knowledge of the Greek language. <laughs> Which is not. But it means traducer. The word traducer, I had to look it up. It means to make a false statement to cause humiliation or to humiliate somebody on things that are not proven true. Have you ever heard in our law system you're innocent till proven guilty? And yet we walk around and we act like we got a handle on things and I know they're doing that. I know they're doing that. And if you corner somebody, you were a policeman. And brother, you don't get anybody convicted unless you take a whole log of evidences and you, you dot your I's and cross your T's. If you mess up, the judge goes, uh, Brother Mike, you did good, but you forgot to do this. You're, you're gone free. Why? They'd rather let ten guilty men free than, than to convict one innocent man. Boy, we'd be a lot better off if we had that attitude. But we'd rather convict ten innocent men just on a hunch that it just may be so. Or, how about this, girls? Operating on your intuition? Huh? I just feel like he's doing that. Brother, I wish I had a patch over my eye when I said that. And a few less teeth. What are we, a bunch of pirates? The word there that means traducer or the one to humiliate or make false statements about things that aren't true is found in James chapter 4 there where it says, Speak not evil one of another brethren. The second passage in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 through 3 is katalalia, a little different word. It means backbite, defamation of character. That's found where it says in verse 1 there, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings. So we're not to defame people. We're to be as newborn babes desiring the, the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And because we've tasted that the Lord is gracious, and we're grateful that he saved us of all our wicked, vile sins, which, by the way, half of them nobody knows but you. Thirdly, we see... Uh, the word found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, in verse 31 there it says, 431 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. That's the word blasphemia. And you know what it means in English, to blaspheme. Now, the word blaspheme doesn't mean to use the Lord's name in vain necessarily. It means to simply speak against someone. To simply speak against someone. To rail on them also can be the word vilify, to make them a villain. The fourth Greek word I found in our passage here in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 through 12 it says is kakos, kakos, which simply means worthless, injurious, harmful, or ill, to speak ill of someone, somehow injure them by what you say. That's found in verse 10 there in 1 Peter 3. For he that would love life, and see good days. Now, how many in here would, would love, want to love life and see good days? Everybody's hand would go up unless, you're some, unless you don't want to love life and don't want to see good days. Most people do. But it says, let him refrain his tongue from kakas. So what we see there is we see four specific Greek words 
which give this word evil, this speaking evil of others, pretty large and, and careful meaning. We as born-again Christians should not be participants of, of this in, against our brothers and our sisters in Christ or with anyone. We should not make false statements about each other if they're not backed up by absolute proof. Keep your opinion to yourself. Man, that's good preaching. Man, that's good preaching. Boy, that saves some marriages. Ooh, I'm mining deep now because of quiet it is. Boy, would that save some marriages. Well, it's my opinion. If it's not based on truth, on fact, if it's just presupposition, if it's just intuitiveness, it will be a whole lot better for you if you love life and want to see good days to shut up. We're not to speculate. We shouldn't do anything that even looks like backbiting, defamation of character, guised as our opinion against a brother. No negative, ill-speaking based. Where does all that come from? It all comes from one spot, pride. Pride. And brother, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, pride makes you a judge. Humility makes you a servant. You get the difference in positions? If I'm humble, I'm a servant. If I'm proud, I'm your judge. If I'm humble, Paul, you and I are on equal, equal footing. If I'm proud, I'm above you. Nothing would speak against a brother or harm a brother. No negative, no ill speaking. The whole spirit, the whole spirit of this is just this evil speaking. The subject of it, it biblically, it's just wrong. All four words condemn it. The passages that I read condemn it. Why? Because ninety-five, maybe ninety-eight percent, ninety-nine percent of the time, when we begin to speak against someone. We are not qualified to do it. Pride pushes us to be careless, to be blatant, to voice our opinion about a fellow brother who, by the way, stands or falls not on our opinion, but on God himself who raised him up. All is often done under the guise of speculation, intuitiveness. I had a young man years ago come in my office. I had just been, become the senior. I, for, I, had, I had become the senior pastor of, senior, of Gospel Baptist Church here in 1992. All 11 years represented by those pictures, I was assistant pastor under a man called Harry McKinney, a godly man, lovely man. He began to have Alzheimer's, and the church was crazy enough after all of those pictures to put me in that picture. And then they allowed to stick with me all these other pictures, even in this picture. But I can tell you, there was a young man who came in my office the first year or so I was the pastor, and I was already struggling with all kinds of insecurities. It's no, it's no easy job to be a pastor of a church, I'm going to tell you that. 
I told God early on in my life, I'll dig ditches. I'll do anything you want me to do, but please, not a pastor. I've seen how they get treated. And I just had all kinds of insecurities, misgivings. I was asking God, I don't see how. When I took the pastor, I had about a year's worth of preaching, Brother Wiley. I figured I'm going to preach that year, everything I know, stop, resign, and you guys get you a good guy. That's exactly what I thought. That's what I'm serious to you as I know to be. I felt like I had about a year of preaching. Remember, I was preaching five times a week, four times a week. I mean, teach Sunday school, chapel, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I'm giving you everything. I figured, I told my wife, this will will go for about a year, and old Billy's going to step down and say, it's over. I've told you everything I know. God bless you. Have a good life. (laughs) Young man comes in my office. He says, "Uh, I got 10 things against you. Here, I thought it was my... I thought he got my wife's list. I didn't know anybody had that much against me except my woman. And then I thought she had forgiven me all them things. By the way, it's, 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 it's not fair fighting to bring up the past. Well, if we don't bring the past up, we won't have anything to talk about. You got it. Arguments are fueled on the past most of the time, which, by the way, can't be changed by either party. It's crazy. So he comes in, he says, I got ten things. I said, where's your list? He said, I don't need a list. You got them right here. Well, now, wait a minute. You don't memorize ten things without going over them a little bit and going over them and going over them. I thought, oh, brother, this old boy's been bitter for a while. And so he starts there. I called Brother Boucher, and I said, Brother John, come in here, because I need you to be a witness to what's going on in here. So he comes in and sits in there. And this young man, he pours out ten things in a row without flinching. Ba-doom, 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 ba-doom. I said, well, may I, may I, do I get to answer? He said, sure. I said, well, you, he mentioned the first thing was that, that I controlled the deacons' meetings. I said, how many deacons' meetings have you been to? Well, I've never been there. I said, okay, never been to Diggs Me. He said, no, but I know what you do in there. That's how far pride will go. He never been to Diggs meeting? He said, but I know what you I know I know you control the meetings. I said, You've never been in a meeting, and yet you know I control the meetings. I know you control them. I said, John, do I control the meetings? He says, no. I said, how many meetings have you been to, John? Been to uh, every meeting we've had since I've been here. Wasn't a couple years, a year or so. Wasn't a long time. But he'd been there a whole lot more than that boy had. I said, whoa, brother. I guess he, I said, you believe that you can manage the church better than I can. Well, how many courses in, in management have you taken? None. I said, I've taken a number of courses. I've taken a, I take took two years of business, a business major. I said, well, how much, how much have you taken in preaching? So we went to the third one. How much have you taken in preaching? He says, well, I haven't taken it. I said, well, so you haven't had any preaching courses? Well, I've had, I've had four solid years. I've had years of preaching courses. I've been around preachers, and God's helped me to learn how to preach. But I'm not saying I got more than about a year here. You know, I mean, after that, it's over. 
And so we go on, and it began, it, it, as we got, worked our way down through the list, it got ludicrous. It got ridiculous. He even said, oh, I knew you were going to go there. I knew this is where you were going to go. I said, where else could I go but that you don't have a clue what you're talking about? And if you took, I said, if I'm not going to be the leader of church, I guess, it reminded me of Joseph in front of Pharaoh, I guess you're the one that knows everything about what's wrong here, so why don't you be the leader of the church? Is that where this is going? You come in here and tell me how bad I am so that you can be the leader of the church? This thing wouldn't last for a week with you. Why? Full of pride. And brother, I'm going to tell you something. Pride breeds contention. Contention breeds splits. In a church split ever happened, almost, it may have happened, it may have been two or three or four, but I mean, it don't seem possible the church split could happen without some raw, unadulterated pride. Which, by the way, God hates. He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. See, when you and I rise up to be judges, and we begin to condemn people that He saved. Remember, he saved them. He loved them. Remember, he gave himself for them. You're starting to mess with his kids. And most of you in this room, if I came up and smacked your kid in the face, you wouldn't want to, you'd be saying, well, we're going outside here. We're, we may not even make it outside. You may want to go at it right here. I know I've learned one thing about people don't mess with their kids, man. Don't mess with a kid. Yeah, come on. You're messing with God's kids. Beware when you start messing with God's kids when you don't have knowledge because first of all, you and I don't know the heart of anybody. I do not know what goes on in secret. I can't judge. I get a husband and wife in front of me in marriage counseling. I know so little about what goes on in secret. Why? I've been married 44 years. I know there's a whole lot of stuff goes on in secret. That ain't nobody knows. If you knew me like my wife knows me, you'd wonder. You'd wonder. You'd wonder. Evil speaking, common among Christians, and that's why there's so many church splits, why there's so many struggling groups. Have you ever gone to North Carolina? You go drive through North Carolina. Some folks from North Carolina today, God bless you. Hallelujah, Tar Hills. I love you. But one thing I noticed about North Carolina, the eastern part of North Carolina, the western, western part of North Carolina was there's a church, a Baptist church in every corner. And, and what, what, okay, the first time I drove through that area, you know, Baptist church, Baptist church, Baptist church, Baptist church, Baptist church, Baptist church. What do you think I was, what do you think came to mind? 30 of these people can't get along. There should be one or two big churches per town, not 50 small churches. Something ain't right. These people can't get along with each other. And that has to be, you have to trace stuff, divisions and things like this, to pride. You have to trace it to evil speaking. I've been in three church splits. I wasn't involved in them. I was a bystander in them. And I saw what happened to people get up, call the meeting, I challenged this and that, and there was a bunch of pride and carnality. Eventually, they started cussing each other. Oh, that's spiritual. 
They're cussing each other. These are, and really, I didn't doubt the salvation of any of them. They were all saved people cussing each other. What is that about, folks? That's what happens when you start judging. That's what happens when you start evil speaking. It's like the Bible says, your tongue, it's like a little fire. It's like what a little match can create a massive fire, and you can't put it out. By the way, fires get away from you. You do a campfire, and some embers blow off on some dry grass, and the wind's blowing about 40 miles an hour. You try to get out there with your shovel and stop it. Pretty soon you can't shovel. A lot of those fires out west were caused by that kind of thing, where people started a campfire, it got away from them. Pretty soon, 40,000 acres, 30, 40, 50 homes were burnt to the ground. Why? Based on one mistake. And let me tell you, it can happen in churches. It can happen among believers. Oh, what a little, what a tongue, the tongue, what a little fire it'll start out as. Don't start it. Let me tell you, have a good, deep respect for your words and where they go. Because it can become an epidemic. In Proverbs chapter 16, it says, verse 27, an ungodly man diggeth up evil. I don't need to dig up stuff on people. At his lips there is a burning fire, a forward, that's a perverse, a twisted man, soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. You don't want to sow strife. Didn't Jesus say in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peace Peacemakers, peacemakers, amen? Not the ones who sow strife. Let me say it don't take a whole lot of talent to find fault. You got them everywhere, on the left hand and on the right. If I was around you long enough, I could come up with a list of ten things. <laughs> Decide you're going to be a blessing instead of a bane. Decide that you're going to help people push them to the light rather than pull them down to the darkness. Decide that they, instead of venting on people and then feeling better afterwards while they go away destroyed and they go away hurt, why don't you start saying those things which will pick them up, saying those things which will encourage them. Why don't you leave the job of accusing the brothers to the devil himself? The devil's the accuser of the brethren. He stands before God night and day, accusing us, 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 accusing us. Jesus said in John 8, 44, You're of your father the devil, the lust of your father ye will do. Accusing, 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 accusing. It is not of the Holy Spirit. What are you going to be in life? You're going to be an energy giver, energy taker. I know you get somebody critical in a group of people, it will sap their energy and sap their holy helium and sap their ability to stand for God and sap their ability to unite together. Let me say this, the devil has, one, has a purpose for every body of believers that love Jesus today, that are doing right by God, that are meeting. He has a vision for them that they would bite back, back bite, they would vilify, they would blaspheme, they would uh, 
They would defame each other to the place that they grew grudged against each other and divisions in the church and this this side against this side and that group against this group and the young adults against the old guys and the old guys against the young guys and the young teenagers against everybody. How about we say we're all of the same father? And how about saying heaven's your home? Let me say it this way. God's got a sense of humor. He does. You ever look in the mirror? God's got a sense of humor. Somebody that you vilify, somebody that you you backbite, and you know what you say when nobody's around, or what you whisper to each other. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because in heaven... When you walk out of your new mansion like this, you walk out of your new mansion door and go around, you say, the very one that you may have despised may be, hey, neighbor, how you doing? We're going to be neighbors for all eternity. Isn't that great? (laughs) Now the old nature be gone. Folks, I'm not talking to one, two, three, four, five people here. I'm not targeting anybody because I'm targeting everybody. Every one of us have the tendency to do this. Of the old nature, of the carnal nature, this is as slick as grease. This is so easy to do. It comes naturally. You don't need any training. You don't need any schooling. You don't. I see kids this high doing it on the playground, and they just get better with age. I'm going to tell you some of the most slick ones are them old girls. Woo, just some of them old girls can be mean tongues. But it's the old nature. It's not God. Let's not do it. Let's just bless. Man, is there not enough trouble? Is there not enough suffering in the old world? Is there not enough losses and heartaches going on? By the way, God judges His people. He takes care of His folks. He takes care of His folks. He'll take care of His folks. And you know when He judges... He does it perfect. He doesn't go too strong. Doesn't go too weak. Doesn't go, you know, because he knows the heart. His judgment is right where it ought to be. And glory to God. We go away then as children of the Most High. Loving one another. That's what it means to love one another. It don't mean just to hug each other and tear up and get... It means not to backbite each other, not to vilify each other, not to defame each other, not to blaspheme against each other. Don't speculate. Your opinion don't mean squat. It's true. That's the pride in you telling you your opinion is... The truth is, is it's the facts that make a difference. And as a person, you can't know the facts because you can't know the heart and in a rare environment, do you actually get enough facts to actually make any kind of a fair, equitable judgment? And God will let you know when that time comes. And you'll do it. Father, help us today. Give us wisdom. May we not fall prey to backbiting. Every church in America could hear this today. Help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. May we be known for a church that's words. And actions are loving.
Well, my Bible says not even to love in, in word, but in deed. We're not even supposed to love in word, but we're supposed to love in deed, in our works. Lord, God forbid this morning that we would backbite each other, that we would talk about each other, that on our way home, we'd, we would uh, murmur in our tents we got home about, we'd have roast, pers- you know, roast this and roast that, and we, we, in front of our kids, no wonder our kids got problems. No wonder our kids don't think we're real. They hear us roasting the people that God has put around us. Father, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. All the praise belongs to Him who died on Calvary. Jesus gave His life a ransom. Sinner, come to Him today.